Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. Here is your host, Justin Strawn. Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Glad to be with you for the early week edition of the show. We are probably going to have an early and just a midweek edition. It's going to be going to kind of play this week by ear with the Egg Bowl coming on Thursday night. It kind of throws things off just a little bit with the timing of how I do shows and stuff like that. Look to record tonight for the early week edition of the show and then probably on Wednesday night. That way you guys have a preview of the Egg Bowl itself available and ready to you and if anything should happen with joe moorhead we'll look to record maybe again this weekend as well we'll just kind of see and play that by ear i don't expect there to be much movement in terms of that but uh, we will talk about all that here in just a moment before we talk about any of that though as always at this time i want to tell you guys about our sponsor cherokee valley golf course if you're a golfer and you live in the great memphis area you're probably just like me looking for the best opportunity for you to spend your golfing time wisely well, why not look and check out Cherokee Valley Golf Course? My son and I golf there almost every single time we go out, and it's a great course whether you're a skilled golfer looking for a challenge or if you're a beginner, somewhat like me, and just trying to learn how to play the game. My son and I have been playing there for years, and we would highly recommend it. They've done a great job of keeping the course maintained. It's a beautiful course, lots of wonderful practice facilities, no reason that you shouldn't be out there honing your game. So if you're in the Olive Branch area or in the greater Memphis area, give Cherokee Valley Golf Course a look and go ahead and tell them I sent you. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course. You can call them at 662-893-4444 or you can book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com. Before we get into the show, I want to remind you guys that you can always catch out, check out the podcast on many of the various podcasting platforms out there there is a soundcloud app which is how most of you get the show but there is also way other ways that you can get access to the show you can go to the podcast app on itunes through your iphone or through your ipad you can get the show there you can subscribe to the show you can listen to it there and drop us a five-star review while you're there that would be spectacular if you did so so that's one way in which you can get the podcast another way you can get the podcast is to go on to google play if you are an android user you can use you can go through the google play store and get access to the podcast there if you like to use spotify to get your podcast we also have it available to you through spotify so there's all different kinds of ways in which you can get the podcast and we would love for you to use whichever form whichever platform is your favorite to access the show share it with your friends tell them all about it we would really appreciate it and just help get the word out about Starkville state of mind so let's jump into the actual show now now let's go ahead and just talk about the obvious obviously mississippi state won their homecoming game against abilene christian this past weekend they won it 45 to 7 they won it in a manner that really was not altogether that impressive the offense i mean it looked the running game looked spectacular like we we kind of figured that it would they the running game played very very well Kylan hill had a spectacular game both in the receiving and in the run game i guess you could say he had a, a good game in the receiving department i mean he had three catches for 84 yards but his longest was 88 yards two the other two receptions went for actually negative yards so but he had a good game Tommy Stevens, though, had a very, very up-and-down game. He was, I think he was 9 of 20. Let me see if I can pull up his stats real quick before I get into anything else. 
No, he wasn't nine of twenty. He was thirteen of twenty-seven. That's what he ended up for the for the game. Thirteen of twenty-seven. He threw for one hundred and sixty-five yards. Like I said, eighty-eight of those yards though came on the one play. Uh, two touchdowns. He was sacked one time. He doesn't. He didn't exit the game until probably about midway through the fourth quarter. That's when Garrett Schrader took over. And Garrett Schrader looked really good in the, the little bit, the limited amount of time that he played. He was three of three for forty yards of the touchdown, and he ended up uh, running for sixty-five yards as well. So, look, it was not a very sharp performance. There were very few people in the stands. There were probably at most like fifteen thousand, maybe twenty thousand people that actually attended the game. Based off of the pictures that we saw on Twitter and based off of the crowd shots from the TV broadcast, nobody was into the game. The, the team wasn't into the game because everybody was looking ahead to the Egg Bowl. I don't take a whole lot away from the performance just because of the fact, like I said, nobody was really paying that much attention to it. I mean, it was a relatively close game at half, 21-7. to 7. But nobody really thought Abilene Christian was going to win that game. The, the the announcers were doing everything they could to try to sell that Abilene Christian had a chance in that in that game. They didn't. They, they never were. Mississippi State was just playing a very sl- poorly executed game. A lot of it was due to the fact that people were just ready to get through that game and get on to the Egg Bowl because that's the game that we've been basically looking forward to and tr- going trying to figure out if it was going to be the, for the season and define the season ever since Mississippi State beat Arkansas. And that's where we are. Mississippi State, they have to beat Ole Miss this coming Thursday night to have a chance to go to a bowl game. Now, they will go to a bowl game if they end up winning. There's no there's no question about that. They'll uh, they'll be bowl eligible. They'll be one of the teams that goes to a bowl from the SEC. The only other question would remain is which bowl. Now, is Mississippi State going to get there? Are they going to win? Look, guys, I don't know. I don't know. And it, this Egg Bowl is so weird because you have so many state fans who are out being very vocal about, you know, they'd be just fine if Mississippi State ends up losing this game because if they lose the game, they think that Joe Moorhead is gone. And if they you know, Joe Moorhead is gone, then the team can, can, can grow and prosper. And you know what? I want to just... Let me. I'm not going. To, I'm, I'm going to try to save the preview for the actual game itself until the Wednesday night, Thursday morning show. Let's just talk about. Let's just talk about the whole idea of what's going to happen to Joe Moorhead if Mississippi State ends up losing this game, because there are some reports that Mississippi State might not bring him back. That he might not bring, they might not bring him back if they end up losing the Egg Bowl, and I'm not convinced of that. I think they were trying to possibly, you know, die, you know, take some of those. I think they wanted to just kind of put that out there, just to try to rally some support for Jim Moorhead because they know it was kind of weak. But it's, I think it's really backfiring on them. That's just kind of my, that's just kind of my personal opinion on the matter. And look, my opinion doesn't matter. The, the only opinions that matter are the ones of Dr. Keenum and John Cohen. And if I had to guess, the only way that Jim Warhead is not the coach of Mississippi State after this season is if Dr. Keenum pulls rank and ends up 
forcing the firing of Joe Moorhead at the end of this season. That's the only way that I can see it. I cannot see a former coach in John Cullen pulling the plug on Joe Moorhead after two seasons. I just don't I just don't see that happening. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I just do not see John Cohen doing that because I know he probably would not have appreciated it after because his first couple of years were tough. There's if you go back and look at what how long it took Mississippi State to kind of get back on track after after he took over, it was year three that I'm pretty sure it was year three. If I'm if I'm if I'm doing the math in my head correctly, it was year three of the John Cohen era that they finally got back to the NCAA tournament. And that's when the program finally started to kind of come out of its out of its shell that it had been from the second part from the second era of the Ron Polk era. So I like to say, I just don't see John Cohen, a former coach, doing that to Jim Warhead. I just don't. So if you're if you're wanting Mississippi State to lose because you think it's going to lead to the firing of Jim Warhead, I. I I think you're playing a dangerous game there. I think you're playing a very dangerous game there because I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. If you're going to cheer for that, if you're going to want an outcome that brings about the end of the Joe Moorhead era, my personal opinion is you need to cheer for basically a 2008 Egg Bowl scenario. And a scenario in which the Bulldogs get so blown out of the game that John Cohen and Dr. Keenan wouldn't have any choice. That there just would be no way that they would be able to bring Joe Moorhead back. That in which come back from a game in which the Bulldogs get completely and totally embarrassed by the Rebels after two very disappointing seasons. I just don't see how you could bring him back in that situation. That's the only way that I think it would be a foregone conclusion is if you just get your your tail beat so badly that they have to make it. They have to pull the trigger at that point. That's the only way that I can see it happen. That's that's it. Maybe if just the loss will do it. Maybe that's the case. But like I said, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. I, I really don't. Because because if if what people are saying is possibly true that Mississippi State might make a move if. The Bulldogs lose the game against the lose the Egg Bowl on Thursday night against Ole Miss. That means they haven't necessarily. I mean, you're having to read between the lines, but that that makes me think they haven't done a whole lot of reaching out to potential candidates. That they're not sold on making this move, and therefore they're not ready to hire somebody else. Because as much as many people don't like Jim Moorhead, and as much as he has disappointed the Mississippi State fan base ever since his arrival here in Starkville. Guys, there are ways that you can make an even worse hire. I mean, Chad Morris was a worse hire than Joe Moorhead. You could end up making a hire similar to what Arkansas did. And another problem about this, another problem that you have, guys, Joe Moorhead, on paper, was a good hire. If you look at his resume, if you look at what he did prior to becoming the head coach of Mississippi State, everything about him said he was going to be a successful coach. Now, people are trying to pull out the whole, well, he didn't know the South. He wasn't from the South. How can you get a guy that was not coming from the South? The only way that really makes a difference, the whole Southern connection, is in the recruiting ranks. And he's basically recruiting at the exact same level that Dan Mullen did. 
so there hasn't been any drop off there. People say, well, I didn't know SEC football. Guys, I get that, but I don't think that's really playing a part here. I think it's just a matter of a guy not being fit to be a head coach. If this doesn't end up working out, I think it's going to be a guy who just is not fit to be the head coach of any football program, not just an SEC program. I think you you could put what he does at any other program across the country, Power 5, Group of 5, whatever it may be. Maybe he could do a Group of 5 program the way he does this one. But if you put him as the head coach of another Power 5 program, I think you're going to have similar results to what you've had this year. I, I truly believe that. I'm sorry, similar results to what he's had at Mississippi State. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I don't think that I am. So, what's it going to take? Like I said, I, I think it's going to take just a complete and total blowout. And like I said, I just don't know that that's really what's best for the program in the long term because I don't know who you get. I mean, there's all this talk about, you know, let's go get Billy Napier. Let's go get uh, Bill Clark from UAB, uh, Mike Norvell from, from Memphis. I, I think it's going to be a tough sell to any of those guys to come to Mississippi State when you let the previous guy go after two years. It's going to be a tough sell. So, I like I said, it's this is a really weird spot for Mississippi State to be in because when they made this hire, and like I said, I'm not just the, I'm not the only one who said this. If you go out and you look up those articles from two years ago, everyone was convinced that the Joe Moorhead hire was going to be successful. Everyone was convinced that he was going to be able to take the reins from Dan Mullen and continue to build the program in the same way. Look, this year was always supposed to be a, a, a bit of a step back year. This year was always supposed to be a year in which Mississippi State was, you know, at best going to do seven or eight wins. But it's been disappointing and to if they end up going five and seven, it's going to be it's going to be just a complete and total collapse of the program. It just is. And I know Joe Moorhead hasn't has has, has basically said, no, we're fine. We're, the program's going the direction I want to. I don't know if it's just Joe Moorhead being Joe Moorhead and, you know, just being stubborn and not looking at the reality of the situation or if he's just saying that just you know, hopes that somebody he might be able to convince somebody. You know, I'm not really sure. But it's been bad and Mississippi State fans aren't going to they're they're not going to support this much longer. But if you lose the Ole Miss on Saturday on Thursday night, getting support for the program is going to be very, very difficult. It just is. And that's one of the reasons why you probably have to make you you could probably make the argument that you could make the move even if he wins the egg bowl on Thursday night, but that that'll never happen. I just don't foresee Mississippi State ever making a change after winning the egg ball. I just, I just don't. I just I just cannot ever see that happening. So, look, I don't know what to expect this Thursday night. We're going. I'm going to look at it a little bit more, and I'll re- when I record my next show, I might have a better opinion about what to expect. But right now, guys, this this, this egg ball could go anyway. And, and don't let anybody out there telling you they can, that they believe they know for a fact it's going to be a blowout and Ole Miss is going to just run all over Mississippi State. There are reasons why I don't think that, and I'll just kind of give you a little bit of a preview. Look, if it were the defense that has taken the, has taken the field in, in eight of the 11 games so far, I would tend to believe that as well. 
But Mississippi State will get their suspended players back, and that does make a difference on the defensive side of the football. They'll get Willie Gay back. They'll get Lee Autry back. They'll get Marcus Murphy back. And getting those players back, it should make a difference when they take the field. Will it make enough of a difference? Look, I just don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll make a prediction and stuff for the midweek slash late week edition, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's just really tough to say. It really is tough to say. So. All right, let's go ahead and look at a couple other things before we, we sign off for the early condition. I do want to look at the basketball team. The men's basketball team went to Myrtle Beach this past weekend. They ended up winning two out of three games. They beat Tulane pretty soundly, and they ended up losing a seven-point affair. I actually predicted the, the margin of victory for Villanova on the late week edition of the show last week. I just did not predict the actual score correctly. But they ended up losing a seven-point lead to seven-point game to Villanova. What ended up happening to them against Villanova, Villanova about midway through the, the first half, they go on a 16-0 run, and Mississippi State was just never able to recover from it. They got it down to like four or five points at a couple of times, at a couple of points throughout the second half, but they just could never fully recover from that 16-0 run that Villanova put on them, and that ended up being the game. They played really well in it for the most part. The one thing that I was not expecting, Mississippi State only had six turnovers. If you told me Mississippi State was only going to have six turnovers going into that game, I would have thought Mississippi State would have won by ten. That because that was the one issue that Mississippi State had. Well, they weren't finding, they weren't finding, they weren't getting their shots to fall like they had been previous, uh, previously. And the other problem that they had in that game is Villanova was just absolutely filling up the bucket, and that was all she wrote. But here's the thing about this team. They did, let me go ahead and wrap up that. Uh, they did beat Coastal Carolina pretty easily as well. On I think they won that game by 25 points on Sunday. So, um, look, this team has a really good chance to be at worst eight and two, possibly nine and one when they end up taking on New Mexico State in their first game with Nick Weatherspoon back, and if they can get to that point at, like I said, 9-1, and one, and then if they can beat New Mexico State. And I have not looked at New Mexico State to see what they've done this year. They were a pretty good team last year, but I haven't looked to see what they've done this year. I'll look closer at it when the time comes. But the men's team could end up going into conference play with just one, maybe two losses. And if that's the case, they're going to be in really good shape throughout the rest of the regular season. This is a good team. This is a really good team. If they can continue to improve on their ball handling – like they did against Villanova and like they did against uh, Coastal Carolina. Let me look up and see what they did against Coastal Carolina in terms of their turnovers because I'm not 100% certain. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a lot better than what, than what they had, what they had been doing. Uh, turnovers, turnovers. Not as bad, 14. It's still a little bit high, but it's not as bad as it has been. So, you know, if, if they can continue to improve on the turnover numbers, if they can continue to get that better, and then add in Nick Weatherspoon to the mix, then you're you're talking about a team that could really make some noise once SEC play starts there at the beginning of January. So this is a good team. This is a really good team. I don't know if they're going to get the support that they would like to get, but that's a good team. It's, it's, it's a team that's good enough to be able to get the type of support you would expect, but like I said, it's... They've got. They could have a really, really good chance at putting together a solid season, putting together a season that might end in a deep run in the NCAA tournament. It's just the NCAA tournament is just such a crapshoot because you just don't really know 
you know, you don't really know uh, what to expect from a team once they get to that, once they get to the NCAA tournament because, you know, one bad game and you're done. One team getting really, really hot and you're done. It, it doesn't always matter who's who's the better team, who's the worst team. You know, those things don't seem to always matter altogether that much. So, But it, it's a team that's capable, at least from what we have seen so far. We really honestly, I honestly believe that at this point. Now, on the women's side, the women are, uh, you know, they're a good team. They're really good. They are in a bit of a dogfight right now with Marquette. Uh, the last time I saw, they were down 45 to 43. Maybe they might be up now. Hold on. Let me see if I can find a current score uh, for the women's team as they go into, I think, the fourth quarter of their game against Marquette. Marquette's a good team. Uh, they, they've always had a really good – they've always always had a really good team. Uh, they're not currently ranked, but that doesn't mean they're, they're bad. Uh, Mississippi State is currently down 45 to 44, at least according to what I have in front of me. Yeah, 45 to 44. Uh, we'll see if they can pull it out. I'm, I, can't, I can't stay. Oh, actually, they're up now 47 to 45. So uh, it's, it's a good game for them. They're on the road. They're playing a true road game up in uh, Wisconsin. So right now, currently, you've got jo- Jordan Danbury and Jessica Carter leading the way with nine points each. The field goal percentage is low. They're, they're, they're struggling to shoot the ball right now. Uh, they're, they're shooting 34% from the field and just 25% from uh, three-point range. Uh, that's what's really hurting them. The one thing that the one good thing is they're they're up two and Marquette is shooting the lights out of the, of the basketball. They've got they're shooting fifty percent from the field and forty six point two percent from the from three point range. What's what's keeping Mississippi State in in the game is the fact that they are turning over Marquette left and right. Marquette has nineteen turnovers as of this recording. Mississippi State only has six, and that's what's keeping them in the game. If they could just find their shot, then they'd have a better chance. Now they're now they're up forty nine to forty five. So uh, if they can if they can keep the defensive pressure up, then they've got a chance to end up uh, winning that game and getting a nice road win. But the women's team is what they are. They're a good team. They're they're probably going to lose more than they did the previous few years, but they're still a good team. They're still going to have a solid season. It should make a good, at least sweet 16 run in the NCAA tournament. Wouldn't surprise me to see them play them, play their way into an elite eight appearance. Final four would probably be a little bit difficult with this year's team, just because they're trying to insert so many new pieces. It wouldn't shock me, but it, it would surprise me to say the least. So, all right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and sign it off there. Uh, we will be back for, the second show second show of the week wednesday night into thursday morning so uh, you can look for us then we will be talking all about the egg bowl because basketball is going to kind of take a break for at least about a week or so so we'll focus solely on the egg bowl come um the midweek slash late week edition uh like i said if there ends up being a a coaching change made we'll probably do an extra show for that as well so Appreciate you guys tuning in, and as always, until next time, Hail State.